This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, October 15th. Coming up, after seven years of restoration, the Kansas City Museum reopens to the public with a new story to tell about Kansas City history. We don't ever really know the whole story, right? History is broken into all of these pieces, and so it's a retelling, it's an interpretation. We'll get a preview of the museum's reopening. Plus, the governor of Missouri wants to press charges against a newspaper reporter after the reporter found a security hole in a state government website. But first, yesterday, CNN reported that federal prosecutors have been investigating Roger Golubsky. He's a former Kansas City, Kansas police detective who allegedly was involved in corruption and abused black residents for years. KCUR's Peggy Lowe has reported on the case, and she's here with me to talk about it. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Nomeen. Who is Roger Golubsky? And what is he accused of doing? So Roger Golubsky is a now infamous KCK detective. He retired in 2010 after, I want to say, 30-some years on the job. He's accused of sending an innocent man named Lamont McIntyre to prison. McIntyre, in a now really famous case, was exonerated and released in 2017. But that case is the one that kicked up all this information about Golubsky, including that he allegedly uses corrupt methods to clear cases and that he has perpetrated sexual violence against black women in KCK for decades. The words that have been used in the cases have been terrorized black women. There's this other underlying and unproven accusation that many of the so-called Golubsky girls ended up murdered and that their cases have never been solved. And when did these things happen? So most of these accusations date back quite a bit. Um, they happened in the 1980s and 1990s. And what's interesting is I was just talking to the new KCK chief, Carl Oatman, and he said he's going to open a cold case unit and he'll look into these murders of these women from back in the 1980s and 90s. He did say to me, though, that these murders happened during, you know, that national crack cocaine epidemic when many women went missing across the country. Federal prosecutors are opening a criminal grand jury investigation. What does that mean? So this has been rumored for a long time, and the only thing we had that was solid on that was KBI had announced last summer that there was an investigation into Golubsky, but they basically couldn't bring anything because of statute of limitations. They then sent all their information to the FBI. But today, CNN came out with a big report that confirms the federal investigation, saying that the former police chief, his name is Terry Ziegler, that he um, testified before this grand jury. Interestingly enough, Ziegler uh, was Golubsky's former partner. So, but then also we had the second confirmation in that KCK police issued a statement in response to the report saying they have been cooperating with the FBI since 2019, but they kept that quiet because grand juries are supposed to work in secret. So what consequences could Golubsky possibly face? It's pretty amazing. So he's already the subject of a big civil case filed by the McIntyre family. And if the evidence proves it, he could possibly be on the hook for money to the victims, of course. Um, our Dan Margulies and Steve Bachrat did an amazing story about his deposition. Uh, this, they published it back in January. And he pled the fifth in his depositions 555 times. Um, but the second revelation today about the federal investigation means that he could face criminal charges. 
So how often do the feds investigate local cases like this? Do we know why they picked this one in particular? So they don't do it that often. However, there is an entire federal piece uh, of their bureaucracy that does like to look at corrupt local officials, officials rather. I covered a federal indictment of a sheriff in Southern California some years ago. So the feds do like to go after these kind of cases. That said, they take years of investigation. Um, as to your question about why they picked this case, it's anyone's guess, but I will say that they looked into Glubsky back in the 80s and 90s. Dan Margulies and I have interviewed a former uh, FBI agent who said they looked into it, but it didn't really come of anything because there were other problems in the community. So it could be because it dates back that far. And also, it's just so high profile. All right. Well, Peggy Lowe is a reporter for KCUR. Thanks, Peggy. Thank you, Nomeen. And now, some headlines. Missouri is launching a criminal investigation of a reporter who alerted the state about a cybersecurity issue. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. A report published Wednesday by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch revealed that thousands of Social Security numbers of school employees were publicly vulnerable on the Education Department's website. Though the affected pages have been taken down, Governor Mike Parson announced a criminal investigation of the reporter, as well as the Post-Dispatch, for what he calls a hacking of the state's website. They were acting against a state agency to compromise teachers' personal information in an attempt to embarrass the state and sell headlines for their news outlet. The Post-Dispatch denies Parsons' claim, saying, quote, a hacker is someone who subverts computer security with malicious or criminal intent. Here, there was no breach of any firewall or security and certainly no malicious intent. Leaders in Wyandotte County are loosening guidelines for social gatherings. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. More than half of Wyandotte County residents have now received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. Health department leaders are revoking guidance issued in August that advised sharply limiting numbers of people in social gatherings. Wyandotte County's vaccination rate remains well below the 70 to 80 percent recommended by experts. In neighboring Johnson County, Kansas, nearly 64 percent of residents have completed their shots. We'll be back after this message from our sponsors. UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, takes the time to understand your history, goals, and priorities. UMB tailors financial planning services and resources to help you accumulate, preserve, and protect your wealth for whatever life throws your way. It's all about establishing a customized plan for you so you can focus on the important parts of life, like spending time with family and friends, pursuing your passions, or building a career. Feel confident about your future at UMB Private Wealth Management. Everything we do starts with you. Learn more at umb.com wealth hyphen management. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeenu Giadine. The Kansas City Museum reopens Corinthian Hall to the public next week. KCUR's Julie Denache attended a museum fundraiser where the anticipation was just starting to build. There is a crowd gathering for a party on the lawn of the Kansas City Museum in the historic Northeast. They're here to get a sneak peek of the newly restored Corinthian Hall. 
Ebony Fondren is wearing a bright pink hat and gown. She says the building looks impressive. Oh, I love it. I've been here a couple times through the transition and it's beautiful, like absolutely stunning. Hi. You guys had signed up for any time? Visitors stream into the grand hall on the first floor. Regina Newhan is having a look around. What we're loving is just the attention to detail. It's just so beautiful. Every little place you look, something has been thought about and attended to in, in such a nice way. For Kim Weinberger, exploring the building brings back childhood memories. I grew up here in Kansas City, so the schools would tour this building a lot. We came for a lot of visits, and it feels good to see it in its grand opulence. Corinthian Hall was built in 1910 for Gilded Age lumber baron Robert A. Long. And for more than two decades, the Long family lived in a four-story mansion. Later, the building was donated and converted into a science museum. Since May 2017, the museum has been closed for repairs. The $22 million restoration and renovation project spanned seven years and involved hundreds of workers. There's a lot of work we still have to finish up and do, but just to see people walking around, it really warms the heart because there's a lot of work that goes into this. That's Chaluba Musanda. He's deputy director of operations. Truth be told, I work on the operations side of things at the museum, and I kid you not, over a thousand hands have touched this building in terms of the work, from electricians to plumbers to the guys who work on the HVAC system. So it's been a team effort, and to have all different kinds of people contribute to the reopening uh, says a lot. So super happy, super excited. Anna Marie Tutera is the executive director of the museum. For Tutera and her staff, modernizing and restoring the building was just the first step in a long process. The museum reopens next week with a new mission. So once we determined that the Kansas City Museum was going to feature untold stories about Kansas City's history, that this was going to be kind of a people's history, and that we were going to embrace the best of what a city museum can do for our community, that we were going to focus on civic unity and social justice, then that really led the design process. Rotating exhibits will feature neighborhood galleries and artifacts from the museum's collections. The exhibits will help tell the story of Kansas City's diverse cultural history. We don't ever really know the whole story, right? History is broken into all of these pieces, and so it's a retelling, it's an interpretation. But we wanted to do it in a way where we are engaging multiple perspectives. Out on the front lawn, Wayne Giles is taking in the festive scene before the next tour begins. I'm not a longtime resident of Kansas City, only about 38 years, but I remember it as the R.E. Long Mansion, and it was in disrepair, and it was wonderful that Kansas City Museum is taking it and now able to raise the funds for a renovation. I'm looking forward to the grand opening, or re-grand opening, whatever they call it. When it reopens, the museum will revisit history while creating new memories for everyone to share. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Julie Denache.
the Kansas City Museum is set to open October 21st. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Peggy's reporting on Roger Golubsky, as well as Julie's story about the Kansas City Museum on our website, kcur.org, where you can also find our live stream. And our radio broadcast signal is finally back up at 89.3 FM. On Monday, we'll launch a series of stories on housing in Kansas City. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.